0: Hey guys, before we get this episode started, I just want to direct you back over to episode zero before you listen to this one. It's got some great commentary by me about how I approach movies and some theology on how to watch movies as a Christian. So listen to that and then come back to this. I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening.
1: Hello there.
0: Don't have a good day. Have a great day.
2: Talk to me, goose. I'm
0: going to steal the Declaration of Independence. Why, so, so, World! I could do this all day. Are you watching closely? Welcome everybody to the One-Eyed Film Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Mossberg. Today I have Josh Swanson with me. What's up? And my other friend, Will
1: Carlson. Hey yo. You will hey, yo. forever be known as Other Friend.
0: Other Friend. Unfortunately. Yep. Today, we're going to be talking about The Prestige. We just finished watching it, and we have some thoughts.
1: See, I'm the only one that actually went into it completely blind. Seth, you look up, looked up a few uh, spoilers, right?
0: I had watched it before.
1: Oh, you've oh, watched yeah, it
0: Will point. had known some spoilers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we'll get to Will in a sec. Josh, what did you think?
1: First of all, didn't even realize I've been missing out for the past, what, 17 years it's been out? For yeah, however 2006. long. 2006? You were two? 2006? I was two, yeah. yeah. But it's never too early to indulge in <laughs> art. Phenomenal ending. Spoiler alert to die
0: for. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, um
1: sixteen years technically. Sorry. 16? Oh, yes, okay. Sixteen? Okay. Yeah.
0: Um wow. Will. What did you know going into it, and what did you think?
1: Okay, so I can't
2: remember the exact video, what it was, or the details. I just scrolling through the YouTube one time, and I came across this video. It was basically talking about the cinematography and the movie in general, and, you know, that kind of came with spoilers and stuff. It was a not like a super detailed breakdown, but it was a general, like, you know, very kind of like more in-depth of, you know, this is what the movie's about, this is the cool parts you can think about, and it that was nice so I, I had like a general idea of knowing what this was but definitely watching it was worth it and it definitely made it more i mean it it just it came to life i suppose
0: did you know the the twist yes yeah that's what i figured yeah
2: but the the i didn't like initially fall understand the entirety of the twist and how it all worked
0: mm-hmm. yeah i remember the first time i watched it i had known the duplication trick and even so i didn't know how it played into the story um I knew, going into it, obviously, a second time, what the trick was, and it made the entire story different, and Mm -hmm. I'll talk about that here in a second, but these are the things that Nolan likes to write in his movies. You watch it again, you get so much more out of it. That's what a movie is supposed to do. You're supposed to get more out of it each time you watch it.
2: Yeah, that's what I definitely noticed when I was watching it, um... Even though for the first time I do I did know that about the twin brothers spoilers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean this is a spoiler thing, so hopefully
0: that's. Yeah, if it. you if you are listening to this podcast and you expect it to be spoiler free, good luck because unless we, unless I label it spoiler free, the whole point of it is to talk about what happens in a bo- in a movie. So yeah. hopefully you've watched it, or else you're just getting a overview of it from us here.
2: Yeah, but but I definitely did notice when I was watching this because I knew about the the twin brothers scenario, and mm-hmm. so whenever I saw. Fallon, fallen, whatever his name is. I can see. I can definitely tell that, like that is to actually uh, Christian Bale. Yeah. And so I did notice that. And I, every time my E came up, I was like, I actually know who that is. Yep. And
1: so, see, going into it completely blind, Christian Bale has a reputation of being able to be completely hidden in some movies. He exactly. is good at acting, not like Christian Bale. So <laughs> going into it blind. Had no idea. That twist, like Christopher Nolan likes to do, we see that in many other movies. You showed me Tenet a while back. Uh, great movie. By the way, I need to we watch should then, yeah. we need to do another podcast yep, on that. one. We
0: will one. definitely talk about it. One of my favorite movies.
1: It's so good. Yep. If you haven't seen that, uh, watch it. So then you'll enjoy the podcast that we do about it later. Yeah. But
0: <laughs> thank you for the future plug. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: and this is just basically setting us up so that we have to do this again, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: He's forcing us to meet it together. <laughs> yeah.
1: But uh, the way Christopher Nolan was acting in that movie, by the way, great, great Christopher actor. Nolan Christopher was acting. Christopher Nolan.
2: Oh. Trick. he's man like he's really yeah, yeah. he's a really prolific oh, director right. you know he even especially played especially when he's behind the scenes
1: <laughs> <laughs> not in the camera but no uh christian bale the way he was acting couldn't even tell great uh i kind of saw the duplication trick coming up a little bit sooner because uh earlier in the film it showed the hats and i was just wondering it's like okay ton of hats, what the heck so i was able to pick up on that but the twin brother scenario completely blank let's start
0: from the beginning because that's the very first thing we see is the hats this is a way that nolan is showing us the answer right away Mm -hmm. he shows it to us immediately it's the first thing we see and what is you probably didn't hear because we had uh, tv a little low you the first thing you hear is borden saying his famous line are you watching closely and we have that in the intro if you listen to our Hopefully that's the first thing you listen to is the podcast intro, but that's part of our intro is, Are You Watching Closely? Now, I use that in the intro to kind of signify, are we watching closely? Are we watching movies closely? Rather than, are we just consuming? Like I was talking about in episode zero, where we need to be watching with purpose. Anyways, Indeed. back to the story. We open on the hats. The the answer, the prestige of Anton Sparrow. And I... <laughs> Hey guys, editing Seth here. I just realized that we started calling Angie or Anton for some reason. I think it's because his title is the Great Danton, and somehow I started calling him Anton, and the boys followed me. I catch myself later. Just wanted to make that clear so you knew who we were talking about. We open on the hats. The the answer, the prestige of Anton's part, and I I've kind of determined that there is two stories, obviously Anton's and Borden's. Mm-hmm. Anton has his own pledge, turn, and prestige of his story. So the hats is the prestige of Anton's story because the moment in, in halfway through the movie when he comes out of Tesla's laboratory being all upset that nothing's working and he sees the hats, he realizes what, what's happened and what the machine actually does. That's his prestige and he didn't even realize it. And we'll talk about Borden's prestige in a little bit. But um, the way... That Nolan gives you the answer right away and then fills in the information so that you finally lead up to it is crazy. Nolan, when he writes his stories and shows them to us on screen, uh, does a thing where he reveals the answer in more than just like the first uh, shot that we see. But like when he reveals that Borden has a twin that he's been using this whole time, so much more makes sense and it helps to watch yeah. the movie again. But also. Josh, as a first-time watcher, you can think about all the things that clicked. And -hmm. they even explain that at the end. So Borden explains why sometimes his wife would say, sometimes you don't mean it. Sometimes you don't mean that you love me because it wasn't him.
1: That Mm -hmm. clicked immediately. It was Fallon.
0: Fallon was the one saying, I love you, and she didn't believe him because he didn't. He was acting at that point. And the the opposite with Olivia where uh, Borden would be trying to keep this act up with Olivia and he couldn't because he didn't love Olivia.
1: Now, now here's a question. I forgot what happened in the movie That's at the end. That's a bad thing. Yeah, yeah we, <laughs> we just watched it, but don't do but that it's you a, it's. <laughs> what do you uh, mean? Which of the twins was the one that died? The one that loved Olivia or the one that loved Sarah? The, the one that
2: it? loved Olivia, because at the end, when uh, Alfred confronts Angier, he says, "You know, I loved Sarah." So I think I'd call that the quote unquote good one i think well he's always a, a. I, well I, I, a version a at least like yeah. he's kind of he's kind of the one i think we see more of
0: maybe? that's the thing he has I you know. guessing the entire time yeah, that's true yeah. now that's true. yes the one who loved his wife and his daughter was the one that survived the one that loved olivia was the one that died unfortunately but also that guy was kind of a scumbag yeah so Bars. you don't really feel that bad for him mm-hmm. yeah um, well,
2: I mean, both both of the guys were kind of, yeah.
0: They both were, yeah. But yeah. they they um both of them committed to the act, and both of them had to sacrifice for it. So as we get on into Batman versus Wolverine, <laughs> <laughs> um, we find out that they were once partners. They were placed in the audience for uh, the trick of releasing the woman in the tank. The interesting thing, after they show the first trick, the first time we see the trick, and we find out that they were placed in the audience, and that the woman is Anton's wife. They're talking backstage, and something that Borden says, this is the first time I picked up that, like, this is going to mean so much knowing the trick now. Borden says, I have a trick in mind. I have a trick. And then Cutter says, okay, well, why don't you sell it for a lot of money? And Borden says, no, 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 I can't. I'm the only one who can do the trick. He had this in mind from the very first time we meet him as a post-college whatever they were in that moment. They were just working as a employee of the actual magician in that theater, and Borden already had this trick in mind because he knew he knew the possibilities with uh with a identical look alike. Mm-hmm.
2: I, I well, I'm not like a more technical, novelist. I just. I'm very intrigued about what it was like growing up for them and how close they really were. Cause it's interesting at like near the end of the movie when we see kind of what they kind of went through to maintain this
1: act. Gotta be pretty dang close in order for you to cut off two fingers for yeah your brother to save yeah. his butt.
2: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't know. It's uh it's, 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 yeah, it's very I do that for my brother.
0: Mm. You don't have one. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote down the the characters always need to justify their actions and be better than the other one, regardless of what it costs them. In the case of Borden, he lost his wife, I mean, his finger, his any self respect when people found out that what he was doing. Mm
2: -hmm. I'm kind of intrigued about the character of Cutter Mm because you've mentioned before, you know, how this is kind of a movie between two characters, you know, um, Borden and Anton, and it's it's very important, like their conflicting. Their intense rivalry between them and their their stories and their acts and how one gets the leg up and the other gets the leg up and on and on and on, but Cutter I find is very interesting because he's kind of in between these two and he's sort of the only semblance of sanity and like hold on guys because even at the very beginning when uh, Borden is you know let's do a trick we need to take risks we need to make sacrifices in order to do the great things and Cutter's like no we need a there's a certain thing that we don't do. And initially Anton is with him, and then you know he loses his wife, and that drives him into an obsession. And he Cutter specifically says that, you know, obsession is a young man's game a game. And he, although he supports Anton, t- uh, to a degree, he kind of sees like the point of this is this has gone too far, and that gets closer towards the end, where eventually he kind of helps Anton, uh, not Anton, he helps Borden. So,
0: yeah, that- I would say Cutter is the level-minded character in this story Mm -hmm. who's trying to get people to calm down, realize what they're doing, and realize that it's morally wrong. Mm -hmm. Because both of them are ruining people's lives. Either Anton is basically ruining his own life by killing himself, or not himself, but his duplicate, who is himself. Like, there is technically magic in this movie because of science.
2: Well, yeah, that's... I'm I'm the science geek of this group, I'd say. So I've... I, I was... When I first... Like, you tell uh, by the
1: thickness of the glasses. Oh, you can.
2: <laughs> um, but <laughs> when I like first had like kind of like seeing the preview for this and the review, I always thought, okay, this is this is a cool gimmick. But there's obviously not like this isn't physically possible. So there must be some illusion towards it, mm-hmm. which I think is part of the trick that Nolan plays with this uh, movie. Is he makes you think uh, that this actually isn't real to a degree, like at least initially. No, he
0: starts by making you think it is real. Like yeah. he makes you think it's totally possible. It's just magic. That is sleight of hand that he's explaining every step and showing you how a magician would do it. Yeah. And then he brings in Anton's Prestige. Yeah. Where he realizes stuff's actually going on. Yeah. And then it totally blows it out of the water. And then they realize they can do it with sentient things, not just hats. And it turns into a whole different movie. It turns into a fantasy movie.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I don't know, I just find that very interesting because, you know, that's not... Physically possible, and Doctor, because uh, you can't actually do that with lightning coils. Obviously, I think that I've tried. Was,
1: <laughs> I think that was a brilliant move by Christopher Nolan because you're going through this whole movie. You're hearing real name people like Tesla. You're hearing it. You're thinking of like, okay, Houdini did amazing things. Uh, the whole movie, I was thinking about Houdini. Mm. Is like he always had some sort of trick. Mm-hmm. You can read through books about what Houdini was able to do. But Christopher Nolan knew that people were going to go into it, comparing to what they know. And if they hear names that they know were great scientists, they're going to be trying to find a way to just explain everything. Yeah. And as soon as you brought in the fantasy elements, it's like, oh.
0: It doesn't matter.
1: It yeah. doesn't matter. And <laughs> yeah. once you let go of it not mattering, it makes the movie so much better.
2: Yeah, because you can you can analyze how that machine works and try to say, how does this work? Can we do this? in Like, no, you can't, because that's the kind of the point. You can't actually do that, and that sort of makes the movie even more enjoyable.
0: I think that's the whole point of movies. As much as we love to know how things work, especially me, or how movies are made, or how they did that, part of the reason they're so enjoyable is because we get so much joy about not knowing. Mm -hmm. And Nolan does this with all of his movies. There is a meta theme to his movies where either how it's edited, how it's shown, or how it reflects him is reflected from the story, into the real world.
1: Mm-hmm. And we can
0: talk about that more like with Memento. He deliberately edits the movie so that you are confused as you watch it and it slowly makes sense the same way the character is confused. In Tenet, the more you watch it, the more of a temporal pincer movement it is, the The more you realize what makes sense as uh, characters are going backwards and forwards. In Inter... Or not Interstellar. Inception. In Inception, oh, yeah. there was a video essay that I watched of how each of the six characters, or however many there are, is a reflection of how a movie is produced. One of them is the producer, one of them is the set designer, whatever. We'll get to that when we talk about Inception soon. Mm -hmm. But that reflects how the movie is produced, and no one wanted to write that into a movie. And you wouldn't get that unless you either heard his commentary about it or simply realized that. And he does that so well, where you don't necessarily need to know that to enjoy the movie, but you can still enjoy the movie separate from that. But it means so much more when you know that.
1: Christopher Nolan's movie replayability through the roof. You can watch it so many times, and it's just not going to get old.
0: The way he makes movies is how movies are supposed to be made. Not in the sense that they're supposed to all be grand and insane, like. And weird. um, And (laughs) hard to comprehend. And mind breaking. But the fact that you can't, we already mentioned this, watching it again to get more out of it Mm -hmm. and for the enjoyment, for the feeling, either me, like me watching it for a second time, knowing what I'm going to see and waiting for you guys' reaction, but also having it make more sense because I know more at this point in time.
1: Putting the puzzle together. Yeah. Serotonin.
0: (laughs) And then Josh, who had never seen it and was basically... Being a trailblazer for himself, writing or figuring out what was real, what was deception, and all that.
1: I think it did help knowing it was a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah. Uh, immediately thinking, okay, every single frame is going to be a plot point. I need to be thinking about what's going on. So that hat scene at the very beginning, I was like, okay, this has got to click to something. Remember this scene. You can't just watch a movie like. Prestige or watch Tenant, or Inception or whatever and just go into it and go for the sake of enjoying content. You got to be thinking about what's going on. And I think watching this movie, knowing that helped a whole lot in being able to digest it because it is, it's a lot.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. You have to ask the question, are you paying attention? <laughs> are you watching closely? Uh, yeah. Uh, no, that's yeah.
0: that. Even though that line was from Borden, it was Nolan asking you that. Yeah. Yeah. And. Well,
2: if I can intrude here, I think it's interesting what you've mentioned earlier about you know movies in general and paying attention, and that is kind of a, a core part of this because Cutter is constantly saying he he repeats at the end and the beginning. Cutter says you know there's three parts to a, a trick, but he especially he points to the fact that the prestige. Okay, you want to be fooled. You're you're looking for an answer, but you don't really want the answer because you want to be fooled. And I think that is very good commentary on movies in general because in some in some area a way they're escapist but another way they're you're you're not really necessarily looking for the answer you're looking to be fooled in a certain way which is maybe art in itself to a degree that's another big philosophical question but i think that's you can kind of apply that idea to movies in general the the fact that we're kind of looking for something and by looking towards that we can increase our um enjoyment from it definitely yeah you know being able to watch a movie again it like if it's because of Nolan's um, just special way of creating films that you want to try and understand it, or because it's like uh, for Lord of the Rings, for me, like the trilogy. I just I can rewatch those and it feels refreshing each time because it's such a great movie. And some movies I think are better at that, And uh, but I also believe it can also be part due to the audience as well, paying close attention.
0: I would say that Nolan sees himself as a magician of sorts. He wants to make the audience question what they've seen, wants them just like angier wanted to have that moment of disbelief or of confusion and we go to movies to want that we want that confusion that Mm -hmm. how we want to ask how Mm -hmm. either how does this uh how can i watch something like this this epic space battle that shouldn't be possible but we can with visual effects and stuff or how can my mind be broken like this and it's so refreshing when it happens and it actually causes you to think a little bit. Mm-hmm.
1: The human brain is naturally trying to solve pr- puzzles, and <coughs> Christopher has given you puzzles, and you just love trying to figure it out.
0: Yeah. Now, some might be confused, and maybe you looked up online what this whole thing was about. There was a lot of editing that made it very difficult to follow the first time I watched it. I had to look it up. I told the guys here what it was all about before, like, a couple minutes into the of,
1: I kind of picked up about it. Yeah, pretty soon, but there's,
0: there's yeah. three timelines that's going on, and you kind of need to know this to appreciate it. Like, I didn't know that, I, I became very confused the first time I watched it because I did not know what was going on. Obviously, we were just talking about this. But um, there are three timelines there's the present day, which is when Borden is uh, on trial and reading Angier's diary in prison, and also the end of the movie is all present day. Second timeline is when Angier was uh, reading Borden's Diary and in America, in Colorado Springs, talking to Tesla. That was kind of the midpoint of the story. And then there's the uh, backstory when they went back and we were watching them in their first moments together as they worked in the theater and as they became enemies and all of that.
1: And their competition kind of breeding for who's just going to have the better act, the better trait.
0: Yeah. And if you don't know that, it's going to be a very confusing movie. Even watching through the movie and then going back and watching it a second time, you probably still wouldn't get it. So hopefully as you watched it, you understood that either because you're smart or because you looked it up like me. Something interesting that I realized when they were watching The Chinese Magician and how it seemed to be actual magic. Anton says something interesting when they were watching The Chinese Magician. He says... I couldn't live with myself pretending to be someone else. And I didn't catch Borden's reaction to that, but that is exactly what Borden does. Borden ends up pretending to be someone else. He's pretending to be himself, and he's also pretending to be Fallon, but it tears him apart. Him and Fallon get just torn apart by living... Would you call it a double life? You're living the same life. Yeah, (laughs) It's, It's more like
2: you're living another person, you're living an imaginary life. Like, there's one person, and each of you are sharing that body. Yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of weird and complicated.
0: Yeah, there are a lot of quotes in this movie that mean so much more either watching it or just looking at it from a bigger lens. Like, at the end, Anton says, sacrifice is the price of a good trick. And as that's painfully obvious in the movie, I almost think of it in the sense of the same way Jesus was... Uh, playing the biggest trick on everyone when he died and Rose again. Like, yes, the sacrifice was him giving up his life.
1: He told us too. Yeah, it was gonna happen.
0: <laughs> but then the biggest trick was him coming back to life.
2: Hashtag confirmed. Jesus was a magician.
0: <laughs> let's not let's not stoop him to that level. <laughs> but he was definitely some ways say he would play. He was playing a trick, quote unquote, on humanity for those three days when mm-hmm. you know nobody understood that it was. Going to go somewhere. They just thought he was dead.
2: Well, I find it interesting. I think you can apply the. We've talked about this a lot, but the pledge. The what's the second part?
0: It's the pledge, the turn, the prestige.
2: Yep, the pledge, the turn, the prestige to the uh, to Jesus his life in general.
0: I would say to the entirety of humanity. Yes. Are, yeah. You you can tell us what you're thinking, but I wrote down that the pledge is when um, everything is is set as normal and. Even movies do this. Movies, life, all of it. The Pledge is setting the stage for something normal. Either showing us that it's in space and this is what's normal. Or this is uh, the Midwest and this is normal. In our life, in humanity's history, all of the Old Testament was the Pledge. Just setting up what was normal, what the history of the world was. It's a history book, it's just normal. The turn is when you take something ordinary and make it do something extraordinary. And that's Jesus. Jesus became a man and did miracles. Something that men should not be able to do because he wasn't a man.
1: And mm-hmm. he lived a sinless life. That exactly. was that was the true miracle. Something yeah. that was just out of the ordinary. We born in sin, born with the sinful nature, are not able to live that out. And him doing that, that was the magic trick, quote-unquote.
0: Yeah. And then the prestige, obviously, is him rising from the dead. So you have... The base level of everything that is ordinary, the entirety of the Old Testament, human history for 4,000 years. Then there's the turn. This man who is perfect, never sinned, does miracles, preaches incredibly good things, is what <laughs> they thought. But it's incredible gospel truth for us. And then the prestige is when it turns into something spectacular and you're blown away. And this is him rising from the dead and therefore defeating sin mm-hmm. for all of humanity.
2: Yeah, I kind of have two specific uh, thoughts that have come to mind. One is in a very uh, small scale. Well, maybe not small scale, but if you take the idea of like the pledge, the turn, and the prestige, we have the pledge, you know, God creates the planet, creates the earth. He says, this is good. This is natural. Okay. Then we have kind of the turn in the respect that it becomes soiled by sin. Then we live in a cursed, fallen world. But then there's the prestige where things return. And that's when Jesus dies, he's resurrected, and then he sets about building his new kingdom, and eventually the ultimate uh, prestige, I suppose, quote-unquote you could say, is him finally coming back and um, bringing paradise with him. That hasn't, that's not a perfect analogy, I'd say, but I think an even better one is what you've kind of alluded to, is Jesus' life himself. hes You have this ordinary man, supposedly, Jesus, who wasn't uh, fully man, fully God, You know that, that divine mystery, and then he has this extraordinary... Um, ability, or not even ability, but he's he's something different. There's something different about Jesus. He's He does his ministry and he does these miracles, and he makes his promise, I'm going to come back from the dead, you know? And that's kind of, even on the cross itself, there's the, the ordinary pledge, you know, people go up on the cross, they die. Jesus says, I'm going to come back, and he dies, and then he does, and that's the prestige. He actually comes back, defeats sin, and then ascends. So, and... and that's, like,
1: that's better than any magic trick I've ever seen. And what's, what's so awesome about it is it's not a trick. There's nothing behind the scenes. He was, there's nothing under the stage. There's nothing that he's hiding. It's 100% authentic. We don't have to think of, well, what were the nails that he used or what was the big rock that was in front of his tomb? Was that just styrofoam? I don't know. It, there's no trick. It's just this miraculous event that Jesus lived through. And it was done not because of any sort of trapdoor, not because of anything man-made, but purely because of his divinity.
0: Some people thought that it was a trick. The Pharisees placed guards at the tomb because they thought that, not that Jesus would pull a trick on them, but that the disciples would come, steal the body, and claim he rose again because they thought that that was the trick. Was that they would have said that he rose again just because the body wasn't there. But it was really just a ploy. But something interesting that I heard uh, Andier said was the audience longs to believe, even for a moment, that there's something unexpected and unknowable beyond this cruel, mundane world. And I think that's the point of both the movie, obviously Andier said it, but also of movies. We want to believe in the spectacular and the unbelievable. And movies can present that to us in visual effects, in just storytelling, things like that. I kind of talked about this in episode zero, where we want there to be something bigger and movies kind of can fill that hole for a little bit for a small two-hour session. But the real thing that will wow us and give us the most satisfaction is Jesus.
1: We spend our whole life trying to like fill this hole of what can be miraculous, what can be so awesome that it's just unexplainable and we find so much joy in not being able to explain it that it's it's satisfying to us we watch a 2 hour movie it's amazing and it's not possible but we like that it's not possible and comparing that to what we see with Jesus and what he did there it's it is impossible and the fact that our god can do the impossible is what is really bringing us joy and satisfaction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: There's also the aspect of people who will ruin their lives for an act. Some people, like Borden, will put on an act their entire life. Like, he committed to his act of switching out with Fallon, back and forth, makeup, every day, pretending to be the other person, that it did become his life. The act became his life. And some people live their act so much that it will become their reality, even so far as to hide it from the ones they loved, like his wife or even Olivia, who was part of the lie, but even she didn't know. We were even kept in the dark as an audience, waiting to find out what's going on with Borden. But some people just know that they need to keep an act in front of everybody in order for them to believe what's going on. And sadly, that's what leads to a lot of frustration in the church, where the church will or the people in the church will put on an act and pretend to be Christians, unfortunately, because they know that their friends will be mad at them if they're not, or whatever. And so they need to always put on a face that is damaging to people in the long run. Mm -hmm.
2: I think another very dangerous um, sin or vice that was prevalent within this movie is, as you said, obsession. And obsession is very... A tricky thing because it can be over anything it can be over a tiny thing it can be over a big thing and in the film it's these these two men's obsession with b- being better than the other and that pretty much brings their ultimate downfall for both of them um you know by the end borden's is our aunt anton is dead borden is i mean uh, he's lost his brother he's lost his wife he's kind of lost his career he does have his daughter but it's still kind of it's it's not a good situation for them. And so obsession becomes this very dangerous thing. And it's uh, even like I found it very interesting that Nikola Tesla, you know, he builds this machine, but he says this isn't going to bring you happiness. It's only going to bring you more misery. And that's something that we can even apply to our own lives where obsession over tiny things, obsession over big things, obsession obsession over anything uh, is a very it it just it can consume you, and it ultimately doesn't bring you total satisfaction. Because you're looking for satisfaction in something, and you, so you obsess over something, but that's, that's not where true satisfaction comes from.
1: Now, I've got a question for you. What do you think are two protagonists and antagonists at the same time, I guess, uh, what do you think they were trying to get satisfaction from? Uh, an audience cheering, or the satisfaction of knowing that their trick was better?
0: Anton would say that he is there for the audience cheering. He said that. He said he is there to listen to their applause, even if it was from under a stage. And yet, he wasn't satisfied. He knew that Borden's trick was the better one, the superior one. And he couldn't live with himself. With the applause that he said he wanted, he wasn't satisfied.
2: Mm -hmm. Because
0: he wanted all of it. He wanted all of it. Borden, on the other hand, wouldn't get as big of an applause until near the end of the movie but he would say that he had a better trick. And even at the end, when they were in the prison, they were talking about who had the better trick, who was the better magician. So yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it is interesting to have a protagonist and an antagonist in both characters, even though I would say, in terms of story structure, Anton was the protagonist, Borden was the antagonist, just I would because agree, of primarily. how we follow Anton and Borden seems to be the bad guy, mm-hmm. even though we sympathize with both. Who do you guys think won? Who who won the better magician?
1: Well, one that's still alive. <laughs> and, I mean, I'd say that... I mean, he Man. did end up getting to go back with his kid. Now, say... i say... after just playing through uh, a video game, God of War, right? <laughs> oh, uh, and yeah, understanding you. a father and a kid dynamic in many other games, also like The Last of Us, you see that quite a bit how just this attachment to a kid uh is so strong i do believe that borden is the one to come out of this on top because at that point his life was just the kid a father and a child dynamic is once you have a kid that's just their life now i'm not a father i don't know what that's like but i can get a taste of that in some video games or some movies (laughs) so i would say that the winner or the better trickster per se would be him
0: Hmm.
2: I would disagree and say that Anton did because he lost his wife early on, and so he was really only living for the applause. And especially once he goes to Tesla, he's he concedes that um, uh, Borden was the better magician, but he was the one who did the real magic, or science magic, whatever. Even he, that's, and he doesn't. I don't think he thinks of himself as a better magician because he's not doing illusions; he's doing real magic stuff. But at the same time, it's interesting because once he goes to Tesla, he decides, I'm going to do this last big finale. And he kind of, I think, is at that point resigned himself to I'm I'm going to go out with the bang. And even though he gets shot and killed, he doesn't seem to be super like sad about it. He's like, that's fine. I I think in his mind, at least he won because he ruined his rival's life for the most part. And he 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 like kind of for, for, at least proved himself the better stage performer. Because he got really big audiences, he wowed them, he had a really cool spectacle, and he was even going to destroy uh, his own work and stuff. He kind of knew that what he was doing was wrong, but he decided to do it and just finish it off. So, I'd say that he won.
1: This is also where some of the debate comes in. Do you think uh, Anton was the actual magician in his story, or do you think his wallet... Or Tesla was the reason that he was actually able to get as far as he did. Because he wasn't the reason that his trick was able to be pulled off so well. It was purely Tesla. On the other hand, Borden, he didn't need any amount of money in order to pull off the trick his. His dedication to the trick was the reason on why it was so good. The reason I believe his came out on top is because he didn't need to spend a fortune to make his act so good. Mm -hmm. It was already perfect yeah but he did need himself and he and he did need to make
2: sacrifices
1: and he he definitely made those sacrifices although towards the end i, I would still say he won considering uh, he's alive and <laughs> he was able to actually kind of have an ever after i didn't say happily ever after but an ever after whereas anton he kind of just died in the competition Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say that he saw resolve uh, because his act was over. And since he lives for the applause, since there was no applause at his death, there was no ending satisfaction for him.
2: Yeah, I, I would disagree to that. But that, that's, that's a, I think, a good example of what this film was able to do. Good discussion stuff like that. Uh, you had something, Seth?
0: I just realized we'd been calling him Anton for so long. His name's Angier, and he went by the great Danton. Uh, so apologies, everyone. We didn't. We we got off track somewhere. I must have typed that weird on my on my notes. So uh, <laughs> apologies. Well, for the for record, them.
1: I called him Angier, and then you guys called him
0: Angier Anton. is his is his name, and you guys called him. Anton. Um,
1: maybe his real name. He's is He's just going to voice name. over the entire podcast and be like, Danton. <laughs> Dan. super Dan-ton. Every time we say
0: So my opinion on um who came out on top. Yes, Borden is the one who's alive. Anton, on the other hand. Anton, Angier, Angier, Angier. Angier. Gotta watch out for them, Angiers. Angier did die, but he figured out his secret. He figured out uh Borden's secret in his death. Like obviously he was bleeding out, (laughs) but Borden, as the villain, basically told him all the secrets. Told him his master plan, and yet on Will's side, Borden had this plan from the very beginning. As I said. He was talking about it backstage when they were first magicians, or magicians assistants. He was talking about it because he knew that he had this uh, trick up his sleeve. And he would talk about it with his wife. He said, I can always, I'm not ready for this trick, but it's here. I can do it whenever I want. Which is weird that he didn't tell his wife about his twin brother.
2: Well, I mean, that would make the relationship weird. It would. I think she kind of killed herself at the end because she realized that he had a twin. No,
0: remember when Olivia said that she wanted to meet with her? And she said, I couldn't bring myself to it. It's because his wife knew his secret, knew Borden's secret.
2: So
0: So, that's interesting. I don't know who won. I think that's the point. We're supposed to feel conflicted because Borden was the one who was the deceiver in so much. And yet Angier was the one to literally kill his duplicate, but also to live with his secret of being a murderer of himself or of other, another himself? I I don't
1: know. I don't know that is works. that a sin?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I, I if, guess... If I ever
1: have the opportunity, it, it, do I... It, am I going to hell because I kill myself? <laughs> you are
0: going to hell because you're a, a sinner who is uh, depraved and has no hope, but God saved you from grace. yeah,
2: good job, Josh.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, I've loved talking to you guys about this. I think it's been... A great conversation about a great movie. I'm never disappointed by one of Nolan's films. There are some of my favorite ones to watch. And I can't wait for Oppenheimer, where apparently he's setting off an actual atomic bomb. Yeah, Oppenheimer is going to be a great movie. I can't wait to see what it, what happens. He's going to mess with time again because he loves to do that. There's a countdown on the website that's counting down to the release date because time, I guess. I don't know what, but time. 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 Should we be the should we be the Nolan bros? The Nolan Bros? You can talk about tenant inception memento.
1: Oh we should also get into video games. Yeah, we should. It's yeah. a one
0: eyed film podcast right now. But one, maybe we'll branch out. Hey, one eyed hey, art. Hey,
1: hey. Some, Some video. video games might as well be a film.
0: We can talk about that. Topical episode. Are video games as good as movies? I already know uh, we've you talked know about what this. side I'm we've am. talked about this. You I'm on your side. It. I just want to have a discussion about it. If you want us to release a episode about video games, either in general or specific video games, let us know. We might record one sooner rather than later.
1: I'm going to be commenting on that one, yes. <laughs> Smash that like. We might just do it anyways.
0: <laughs> Even if you say no. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. Give us a follow on Spotify. Share this with your friends. We want to try and grow this, especially in the early days. We are trying to get... As many people to listen as possible. Remember, we have our Discord server that you can join and our Instagram page that you can follow. Link for those will be in the show notes below. Uh, We love you all, and have a great day. Peace. Peace
1: out. Bye, guys.
0: (laughs)
2: Well, I suppose you could say that the real magic were the friends they made along the way.
0: No, that's not. Okay. Do
2: not make that (laughs) the (laughs) ending. Do not make that the ending. Please, that'd be hilarious. Ah, dude, we need to do do that video game attack.